The scripture reading this evening is taken from that great chapter on the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15. I'll read the first 11 verses. It's on page 1222 in your Bibles. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, and unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. The Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 17 asks this question, What benefit do we receive from the resurrection of Christ? First, by the resurrection, by his resurrection, he has overcome death, that he might make us share in the righteousness which he has obtained for us through his death. Second, we too are now raised by his power to a new life. Third, the resurrection of Christ is a sure pledge to us of our blessed resurrection. That's the confession of the church based upon the scriptures. Tonight we're going to look at Christ's sure foundation. He conquers death. He empowers new life. And he guarantees our inheritance. Before we open these wonderful truths of God, let us ask for his blessing. Our Father in heaven, we pray that as we look at this beautiful truth of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you will instruct us and empower us and fill us with your Spirit, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart may be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Bless us this night, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, it is very appropriate on this Lord's Day in which we grieve the death of our dear brother Steve Stelema, who was the doorkeeper of our church for 22 years, that tonight I preach on the resurrection of Christ. This was 
not planned. It was planned to preach on it, but it was certainly not planned to coincide with the death of Steve. That happened just Friday night, early Saturday morning. So that was beyond us. That was time, the timing was of the Lord. So now I'm preaching on this wonderful truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the ground, the sure foundation of our faith. Paul says in this great chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, if Christ is not raised from the dead, there's no hope. We are still in our sins. And those who said they believed in him would be of all people the most miserable if there is no resurrection. But now, says Paul, Christ is risen from the dead. He is the first fruits of them that slept. By man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. As in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. Christ is risen from the dead. That is the sure foundation of our faith. The women came on that Easter Sunday morning thinking to anoint his body. They came to, the, to Joseph's garden. They were fully expecting that the stone in the, holding in front of the tomb was going to be there, and they were worried about how they would move that stone away to get at the body because they wanted to anoint that body. And here they come, and they see that the stone is already rolled away. And they must have been amazed to see that the stone was already rolled away. How could that have happened? And then they come, and they're weeping because they are in a cemetery. And they are expecting to anoint the, the corpse of Jesus. And the angel says to them, why are you seeking the dead among the living? No, why are you seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen even as he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he's alive. He is not here, he is risen. What a great truth that is. And that is the message that they had to tell everybody that we serve a risen Savior, that he is Lord, the Lord of glory. And the apostles who wrote the Bible, John, Peter, Luke, Matthew, and Paul himself never ceased talking about the resurrection of Christ. That is the very heart of the Christian gospel. As Paul says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preached to you, which you received, 
in which you stand, by which you are being saved. This is the root, the foundation of our faith. This is why we can face the future with confidence. This is why we can say, I know whom I have believed, that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him against that day. We may say with Paul of old, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, because Christ has defeated death, and he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He has defeated death. That's why Paul could say at the end of this great chapter 15, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's the root, that's the foundation upon which we stand. That's the faith of our fathers living still in spite of dungeon, fire, and sword. The truth of God remains and it's solid. Jesus Christ is alive and He is our Lord and Savior. Like Paul says in that great chapter of Philippians, that Jesus Christ did not consider being on the equal with God something to be hung on to, but he emptied himself. And that he, being God and continuing to be God, took upon himself our human nature. And being found as a, in, in fashion as a man, he humbled himself even to death, the death of the cross. But God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ, God, true God, eternal God, God of God, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us and our salvation became man, took upon himself our human nature, and he suffered, and he died, crucified, buried, but on the third day he arose. And Paul says, this is what you believe. And this is on that upon which you take your stand. So the Apostle Paul talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Heidelberg Catechism picks that all up and says, what benefits do you receive from the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What benefits? And there are three. First, by the resurrection, he has overcome death. What a wonderful benefit that is. He has overcome death. Death has lost its sting. Yes, we must face death. 
It is given unto man once to die, and after death the judgment. Death is real. It is a reality. And everyone must face it. But Jesus Christ, by his resurrection from the dead, has overcome death. He has destroyed death. He has taken the sting out of death. Do you know why? Because the sting of death was put into him. He was crucified for our sakes. He bore the penalty of sin. As John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And sin has to be punished. God had said that at the very beginning of human history, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So Adam and Eve, they ate of the tree, and they suffered. And death came because of sin. But Jesus came and he bore our sin. Our sin was laid on him. As Isaiah 53 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. It was laid on Jesus. And he bore our sin. And in bearing our sin, he overcame death. And he destroyed death. So that we don't have to be afraid of death anymore. As Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he be dead, yet shall he live. Death has no hold on us. We live, and the life we live is a spiritual life which God gives us in Jesus Christ. He earned it for us. So, by his resurrection, he overcame the power of death. And he made a share in his victory. The victory that Jesus won by his death and resurrection, the victory he won is that he earned the approval of God. When Jesus was on the cross, the last word of the cross that he spoke was, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Jesus laid his sacrifice before the Father's throne. Into your hands I commit my spirit. And he presented the offering that he had just given upon the cross. He gave it to the Father. Because God had so, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on Him should not perish but have eternal life. So God is the judge. And Jesus laid His sacrifice, the offering that He gave. Because you know, God spared not His Son like he spared Isaac when Abraham went up the mountain to sacrifice his son and a ram was found 
to die in the place of his son. So God spared his son, but he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? And so God is the judge. And Jesus laid his offering before his Father. Into thy hand I commit my spirit. What's the Father going to do? Is the Father going to accept Jesus' offering for sin? Is he going to accept the payment which Jesus gave? He gave his all. He gave his life. As an atonement for our sin, did the Father receive it? We wait. Good Friday, Friday night. He is laid in the tomb. Saturday, he's laying in the tomb. His spirit is with his Father, which he committed. And early Sunday morning, God the Father answers... The Lord Jesus Himself, Jesus who gave His sacrifice unto the Father for us on the Lord's Day morning, God answers that request of Jesus. What are you going to do about it? The Father said, I accept it. He is not here. He is risen. He was delivered up for our transgressions, but He was raised for our justification. That means that the righteousness which Jesus earned upon the cross by His perfect obedience in His life and His atoning death, that righteousness is now given to us, which we receive by faith alone. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Him who knew no sin, God made him to be sin on our account that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What an awesome gift. And it's ours by faith. We don't deserve it. We do not deserve it. And we certainly don't earn it. It's a gift of God which we receive by faith alone, by trusting in Jesus Christ, by truly knowing in the depth of our heart that Jesus paid the price and set us free. I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross He suffered from my sin to set me free. The chains are gone. I am set free. Amazing grace. So he overcomes death. And by his resurrection, he makes us partake of his righteousness. The second thing is this. Jesus arose from the dead. And this resurrection of Jesus Christ also guarantees our resurrection. 
we too are now raised by His power to a new life. You see, the Apostle Paul explains that. In Ephesians chapter 2, he said, We have been born in sin. We're born in sin. We're born with original sin. And we have to be made alive again. And that's called regeneration. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus who came to him at night and said, you must be someone very great for you're doing what no one else can do. He says, verily, verily, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does being born again mean? It means regeneration. It means that God makes a resurrection within us that our dead hearts are made alive by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of His Spirit. We are made alive. We are resurrected too. Spiritually, we have a new life. And that new life will never die. It's everlasting. And that's why Jesus said in that beautiful passage in John 11 at the grave of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he be dead, yet shall he live, because he has been given new life. As the psalmist says in 116, He has delivered our soul from death, our eyes from tears, our feet from falling. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. All of that is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He gives us new life. And that is what the gospel tells us. That we have to preach the gospel. And through the living word of God, He leads us again and He brings us to new life through the gospel. The word of God is like a seed. Jesus calls himself a seed. He says, unless the seed falls into the ground and dies, it abides by itself alone. But if it is buried, if it is planted, it dies. But it brings forth new life. Everyone who's ever planted a garden knows that you plant a potato and then when you harvest the potatoes in August, September, you dig up that potato mound and there you'll see the original seed potato. It's all shriveled up. That was the seed. It died. But in the death of that seed, new life comes forth. Jesus says, I am that seed. I am that seed. Unless that seed falls into the ground and dies, it abides by itself alone. You can have a whole barrel of potatoes, and if they're not buried, they just remain potatoes. But they've got to be buried, and in burying, they die and they give new life. Jesus said, 
the seed abides by itself alone, there's nothing. But I am that seed. And he spoke about his own life and his death and his resurrection. He is the seed. He is the seed of the woman who was crucified, buried, and in his burial and his death, he brings new life, and that new, new life is ours now by faith. In Jesus Christ, He gives us new life. We're resurrected from spiritual death. Those who are in Christ Jesus are a new creature, are a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. And that's why Paul could say, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. The Lord is there. He arranged it all. It's all through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. And it's applied by the Holy Spirit. And the third thing that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus gives us and benefits us is this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a sure pledge to us of our blessed resurrection. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinthians here in this chapter. And the Corinthians were very influenced by Greek philosophy. And in Greek philosophy... Plato, who was a leading Greek philosopher, taught that the body is a prison. The body is the prison house of the soul. And the body is, is not worth much. It's like a jail. And death is a wonderful thing because it frees us from the jail of our body. Paul says, that is nonsense. That is nonsense. Death of the body, yes, releases the soul to glory. But the body is God's creation. That which is sown he says in this, a little later on in this chapter, that which is planted is mortal. That which is raised is immortal. That which is sown is sown in weakness. That which is raised is raised in power. That which is sown or planted or buried and corruption is raised in incorruption. That which is sown a physical body is raised a spiritual body. And we know this is true because it happened to Jesus and He's the first fruit of the great resurrection. Because He arose, our bodies too will rise from the dead. So He says to the Corinthians, don't believe that that nonsense that your body is a prison house of the soul because 
God has designs for that body. It is planted to be raised again. Look at Jesus. He gave His life on Calvary. His body was buried. Why was He buried? To prove that He really died. But on the third day, He rose again. And in His resurrection, we have the assurance that all those in Jesus Christ will also arise. And so we tenderly place the body of the deceased into the tomb in sure trust and certain hope that when Jesus comes again, that body will be raised in perfection. A new body made like unto His glorious body. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a pledge and a guarantee to us that our bodies will be raised as well. And that the resurrection also is for us. Yes, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of of cheer. And every time I need Him, He's always near. He lives. He lives. I know He lives. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. You ask me how I know He lives? He lives within my heart, but I know it from the Scriptures. Both the Old and the New Testament testify to the resurrection. You want an illustration from the Old Testament about it? Jesus uses it Himself. He says, look at Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the, of the fish three days and three nights. So the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth three days, three nights. And as Jonah was, so to speak, raised from the, from the death, from dead in, in when the fish spit him out, Jesus arose from the grave. And what did he leave in the grave? He left the swaddling bands in which he was wrapped when he was a baby. Not the same cloth, but he was covered as an infant with swaddling clothes. And they wrapped his body in swaddling clothes and laid him in a tomb. But on the third day, Up from the grave he arose, a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he lives forever with his saints to reign. And what did he leave in the grave? He left those grave clothes. They were not unwrapped. They were not unwrapped. They were not displaced. It was like a cocoon from which a butterfly comes. His grave clothes were like a cocoon. 
but they were flat. He is not here, He is risen. See the place where the Lord lay. He is not here, He is risen. And He received that new life. And that new life is ours as well. He gives us that. And He says, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another. Jesus appeared to the disciples. Their six groups are mentioned here in 1 Corinthians 15 that He came after His resurrection to Peter, to the twelve, to five hundred at once. And Paul says, last of all, He appeared to me too. He came from the other side. He came from the other side of death. He came from the other side of sin being covered and paid for and guilt gone. And He comes from that side. And He greeted His disciples and He said, Peace be unto you. That's why every Sunday we gather together And in the name of the Lord, I say to you, our help is in the name of the Lord. And from the other side comes Jesus' words to you. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you. From Him who is and who was and who is to come. From the spirits, the seven spirits, it's the Holy Spirit before His throne. And from Jesus Christ the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. That greeting comes to us just like it did from the words of Jesus Himself to the assembled disciples. Peace be unto you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. I am with you always. All authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go into all the world and tell this story to everyone. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I am with you always to the end of the world. He's with us now. And He never leaves us and never forsakes us. What a wonderful gospel this is. And everybody said, Amen. Our Father in heaven, Lord, bless this word unto our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ who gave his life, who was raised from the dead, and who lives forever with his saints to reign. Lord, bless us now, Father, and may your name be exalted. May Jesus Christ be praised. In Jesus' name, amen.